0: What's up, Wildcats? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I am Adam Green, joined once again by Brett Barry. And Brett, remember how a week ago we were talking about maybe the Wildcats found a turning point in their season and the question was whether or not it was real or just another high before the incoming low? We have our answer, and it's not a good one. Um, Arizona split against the L.A. schools, beat USC 85-80 to 80 in a game that probably wasn't that close yet also got a little close at the end, and Arizona's struggles into that game carried into the UCLA game on Saturday. 65-52, Arizona lost to UCLA, who's not a good team. And yet, they got just, I mean, it wasn't even 60, it it felt worse than 65-52. Yeah, it it was not great, Bob.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I think you're right. The USC game was like, what they didn't
0: score a field goal for the last eight minutes of the USC game, and they scored eighty-five points somehow, and because they, they shot a lot of free throws too. If they would have made a which, free throw better, free which, throw percentage they would have blown out USC even still. Which tells you something about shot selection, which is a recurring problem with this team.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we've talked about all season, and you know, I think we may even have even said it last week. That's like how they, at this point, we're late enough in the season that I think we know who this team is. And the thing is you can't be surprised by them uh, being inconsistent anymore. That's just that is in their nature at this point. Um, and so that doesn't mean that their floors any is any higher or lower or their ceilings any higher or lower. It just tells me what you know, whatever you expect from it, prepare to be disappointed. Whether it's good well, or bad. Well,
0: that's just Arizona Athletics in general. Well, <laughs> just say <laughs> just prepare to be disappointed. Yeah, that I should mean, be the tagline.
1: We're we are now, I mean, if the if the patterns of the season hold true, We can expect another road sweep that doesn't make any sense. Well,
0: and that's the thing. And after Washington, the hope was that, hey, maybe they did find something. The defense was great. Most of that was definitely great against Washington State. But Stone Gettings was getting going. The role players, you're like, okay, this team, that's how Arizona can be good. And for 20, 25, even 30 minutes against USC, it looked like it was carrying over. You're like, that's right. Because USC was supposed to be the tougher of the two home games. And then it fell apart. I remember we were talking on Saturday – And I'm like, I would be worried about the USC game except for the fact, like, yeah, they didn't make a field goal in the last eight minutes, but make three quarters of your free throws and you're winning by 15. Mm -hmm. Arizona didn't get a lot of, I think they only took, recorded like five or six shot attempts over those eight minutes. Which is pathetic. No, because you get fouled and they don't count a shot attempt. So it's like, if you figure how many scoring opportunities they had, they had some, they just got fouled a lot. Make your free throws. Sure. And it's not close. But then UCLA, that game, watching it, Arizona was only down one at halftime. And it's like, okay, that was ugly, but neither one of these teams is playing well. Arizona's at home, they'll figure things out. And you feel like, I think Arizona made what, like three two pointers in the first half? There's a lot like of three, three pointers three of on both teams. 18 from yeah. two, it was just bad. And then the second half comes, and they were, what, 12 on threes, got within one point with about you know, 10 minutes left, and then it fell apart again. And. Watching is one of those games where you knew Arizona wasn't playing well against UCLA, we're going to focus more on that game because, well, really, beating USC means nothing after losing to UCLA like that. But we've watched games where Arizona's played poorly. We've watched games where Arizona's played well. And this was one where it's like they're playing poorly, but I I guess I can't speak for you and I can't speak for everyone else out there, but to me, it almost didn't dawn on me just how bad that game was going until there was like three minutes left and they're down by 15. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, they're going to lose this game. I don't think it dawned on most of the players until there was about (laughs) six
1: or seven minutes left because it's the same, uh, shall we say, lack of mental toughness. That's a problem. And it's like they just think that they're going to show up and, hey, I'm more talented and, you know... They it shows up in ways that are that show up interestingly in the stat sheet, like the field goal. I just pulled the stats. It was fifteen of fifty nine on field goals, six of twenty three
0: on three pointers. So what's the math? on that's nine of. Uh, I mean, it's 36, basically, 20, it's or, basically yeah, nine of thirty six from
1: two. Yeah. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Which is horrendous, and sixteen of eighteen on free throws. You know that I'm, was good. I'm not a math major. But I did attend the, the Harvard of Arizona, the University of Arizona. I can tell you that that is a better percentage than those other two. <laughs> um, you know, and it's and what is the mental toughness thing that that I felt watching that, and bluntly, physical toughness to some extent, especially with certain players, is that there. You know, our friend Ryan over at AZ Desert Swarm was writing a column on this, and I found myself nodding my head a lot. Um, even more so than when you write
0: columns for that. Oh, thanks. I got um, one that I'm working on right now, actually. <laughs> as not when we do the show, but you know, recording on Monday. By the well, way, it's, yeah,
1: it's just there's not a true leader on this team right now, and I don't, I don't even think Sean Miller is necessarily leading the team, and that shows up in weird ways in the stat sheet. And for the UCLA game, that lack of mental toughness, like it shows up in crappy shot selection, and that shows up in sh- poor shooting percentage because it's, you know, it's, it's not even that you're. <laughs> Not that they're not getting shots off, it's it's and it's a cop-out to simply say, oh, well, just the shots aren't falling. I mean, that was part of it. It's, but it's,
0: it's not all. Of it. If the shots no. aren't
1: falling, the mentally tough person says, I'm going to go dunk this damn ball
0: one way or but another. Arizona was in the double bonus, I think, with eight minutes left in the game. That's how they got back well, into the game. But, by they, were at, some free but they were at how, down how much at that point? Well, they got back within one by making some free yeah. throws because we all know they weren't making any real shots. But yeah. And that's the thing we've, we've talked about it a few times on this show. Who's this team's leader? Well, they don't have one. Clearly, you'd think maybe it's a veteran, but their veterans aren't those types of players. And you'd say maybe you're a point guard, but your point guard's a freshman, so you can't expect that. And well, can I can I throw, can I tag, tag on? Go that? for it, yeah.
1: Because if I was completing my thought, the problem is you need Nico Mannion to be that leader. How many assists he had in that UCLA game? Two fewer than field goal shots. Uh, field goals he made uh, zero. <laughs> yeah, he, made, he went made um, two of fourteen shots. <laughs> yeah. And that's – which actually leads into what the point I was going to say, and that lack of mental toughness shows up in shot selection. The problem is when you're struggling to see the ball go through the net as a team collectively, as the point guard, you need to be the person that dictates the execution on offense. Calm and everyone make, down and, and make run sure the get, offense. And we get a high percentage shot. And, well, I have thoughts on the run the offense. Sure. I, use, sure. I used air quotes, listeners. Um, because the problem, the problem with, that I saw recurring in terms of that, on at least on the offensive end, was when Nico gets frustrated, he goes into jack mode. Yeah. Because in some ways, that's the best shot they're getting right now when they're not executing. But I think he's taking the wrong answer to the right question, right? Like, they're not getting good. Maybe. Sh- well, they're, they're not getting good shots. And they're not falling. Yeah. Yeah. The answer to that is not, even if you are the best shooter on the court, which he probably is,
0: but if you're taking low percentage... Is he though? For, since when? Well, I, I think he thinks he is. And, and that's probably... Nico Mannion, and not to make this a Nico Mannion segment, but he came billed as this five-star elite point guard, the likes of which Arizona hasn't had since... I don't know. I'd say TJ McConnell, but he wasn't looked at as like a five-star can't-miss NBA right. prospect. And Mannion has shown flashes. His assist numbers are very good. But his shooting, really, since non-conference, has taken a dive. And some of that's forcing shots. Like he airballed a shot against you. I think Dylan Smith did too. That I expect. Oh, wide open Dylan yeah. Smith three. But even Nico is airballing threes. And maybe that's a confidence thing. Maybe he was tired. Maybe it's just trying to force things. I don't know. But when you're – this is the fear, right? When you're being led by freshmen, when your best players are first-year guys, these things can happen. I know Sean Miller in his post-game press conference, he said – you know, that, that happens. You're going to have ups and downs with those guys. You know, like, people are more disappointed in the veterans than they are the freshmen because you expect freshmen yeah. to have this kind of a roller coaster season, but not Nico Mannion, not your point guard. And you said, I remember last week, where we were talking how Mannion, his shot wasn't falling, but he was running the offense. He was playing in control. And he was some of his best basketball. Well, that wasn't it against UCLA. Because that was burning back in so much of this game was just Arizona, not even reverting back. Like, if you're going to make 25% of your shots, I don't care who you are or who you're playing, you're probably going to lose. Like, but that's a very easy way to look at what happened in this game. Then the question is, why did you only make 25% of your shots? That sort of goes back to toughness, working hard, and getting better looks. Shot like, selection. Yeah, shot selection. And sure, they missed some good shots, good looks too. It was just that It was that kind of night, but it's compounded with all the other issues. Because yeah. they didn't make a lot of shots against Washington State, and yet they won that game pretty handily. Right? Arizona can win without making shots. Arizona should win at home against UCLA. And there's a lot of people like you wonder, is this the low point of the season? You hope so. <laughs> you damn well hope so because Oregon State, you could say, well, that was on the road. Right? St. John's, you could say, well, that was a neutral site game. It was a you know near that Christmas break, whatever. ASU was on the road. And ASU needed that game, probably wanted it more, you could argue. They they needed to beat Arizona more than Arizona needed to beat ASU. Arizona came back, and we knew if they swept the Washington trip, which they did, and then swept the L.A. schools at home, you're on a four-game winning streak going on the road now to the Bay Area schools, both of them are beatable, and now you build momentum, and you start to say, hey, maybe this team can make that run. And with one loss, not even just a loss, but the way they lost, it exposed so much, and... None of this is new. None of these problems like you're talking about, the things that we're lamenting here, they're not new. But we thought Arizona had enough and maybe it turned a corner to where those issues were not going to be the types of problems that will doom a season. And maybe they won't be because right? we've seen Arizona play well. Yep. We've seen even with them being soft, even with their poor shot selection, even with that lack of toughness inside, we've seen them blow teams out, good teams. Out. We saw them blow out Colorado just a few weeks ago in the very same building where UCLA took it to them. So it's one of those games where I struggle getting all... How do I phrase this? Arizona didn't lose because they were the less talented team, which is both promising and terribly upsetting. But that's the whole season. Like, I Does know. that make sense? Because if you get beat because that team's better, it's like, well, that's no good because Arizona's going to... If that team's better than Arizona, then who will, Who else is better than Arizona? There's probably a lot more teams out there. Talent is not the issue And yet the talent has been an issue, and it certainly was against UCLA because it doesn't matter how talented we think they are and how talented we've seen them. If they can't do it consistently against UCLA in their own building, you know, you say maybe they weren't ready to play. They thought they could just show up and beat UCLA. At what point does a player say, huh, maybe I can't do that. Maybe I should have to play hard. Is it when you're down at halftime to UCLA? Is it when you're down by 10 in the second half? Is it when you're down by 15? Like, what does it take to wake your ass up and say, yep, i got to play hard now? Send answers to that question to Coach Sean Miller at, <laughs> at like, Arizona.edu. Does, <laughs> does that make sense? Because that's, that's yeah. what's so frustrating about this. Because, again, watching that game, I never once thought until it was too late, I'm like, wow, Arizona's going to lose this game. It was always, yeah, they're playing bad, but UCLA's not great or running away with this thing. Arizona will be fine. Until they weren't. And that was a game of pretty much 40 minutes of Arizona just getting beat up. For 40 minutes of basketball, Arizona was
1: the lesser team. Well, there, there's t- there's a couple things going on. There's the mental toughness and there's the physical toughness. And I think, for lack of, you know, the, the reason this team is so inconsistent, and it's not an excuse, it's just a reason, is that they rely on the freshmen so much, right? And I would contend that Nico Mannion has plenty of talent. He's not necessarily, I think he's adjusting to not being the just pure superior athlete like he was in the AAU circuit or in high school. Um, but, like, there's a... There's a soft destruction of bad shot selection, and that's how you end up being down 10, 15 points. And if you're playing on the court as the point guard for 36 minutes and you have zero assists, that's on you. And, I mean, in that game, in the second half, the commentators even noticed it. I mean, Bill Walton, in between uh, hits of, you know, his... uh, The peanut butter and the red hair,
0: the red wigs they had going.
1: Um, And just, if you want to call it bantering with Dave (laughs) (laughs) Pash.
0: Poor Dave Pash, though, sometimes.
1: Eh. <laughs> he's got, got to
0: work with Bill Walton and Ron Wolfley, but Dave Fash has also got his own things. <laughs> sure, he's a good broadcaster, though.
1: Sure, that's true. But um, you know, even they were noticing that
0: Nico Mannion was not bringing the ball up the court several times in the second half. No, there half. were a lot of times Josh Green was bringing it up, and maybe and I get that you're just trying to mix it up a you're little bit, try to get something, get something going, let Nico play off the ball. And granted, he got the ball like right after Nico or Josh Green passed yeah. half court. But, you're, but. but
1: you're, the, you're the point guard and. If there's somebody that has to have mental toughness in terms of being intelligent,
0: especially when it comes to shot selection, it's on him. It and just is. <laughs> but is how big of a problem? It's Arizona's played 23 games now. 23 games have been recorded. They had their exhibitions, too. When does that happen? Is it safe to say that that's just not who Nico Mannion is, or he's not going to be that guy this year? I think it's – I. I mean, we've
1: been saying it for what feels like the entire season where we keep – the the team seems to struggle to apply lessons, right? And they never can quite focus on anything consistently. And I think part of that's the youth. And like, I think they just don't. I don't know if it's that they know they're one and done, and they're not that worried about it, or they, you know, the, there's no senior leadership that doesn't, you know, grab them by the metaphorical collar and be like, "This is my last chance. If you're not going to do it for yourself, you know, yeah. I've been working my my tail off for a while." Um, and then some of it, I think, is just, you know. There is the, the physical toughness question, I think it's just physical maturity to some extent. Like, Lord knows I love me some Zeke Naji, but you know what? I, I have been noticing it a little bit, and I noticed it a lot in that game. Zeke Naji needs 20 pounds of muscle on him. Sure. He, he is a guy that is all effort and doesn't, like, he's not, like, weak, but he's, He'll get stronger. He's, he, there's a reason why he struggles with the double teams there's a reason why he gets he gets a hand on a lot of balls for rebounds but he doesn't finish that much through contact right and I think that like the UCLA guys those guys had 30 40 pounds on him and he's basically having to be a high effort guy bouncing around them if he had whereas if he had 20 more pounds on him I think he would be much more effective I mean and that's and he's already a great player but you know that's the the curse of modern basketball is a blue blood program if you want to call it Arizona blue blood is that I mean go look at his like shoulders next to Is- I mean he put up a fight against Isaiah Stewart but that was clearly like also a freshman. Yeah, but he's he's also a also Huge. a freak. Yeah. Um and like there's you know there's nothing you can do mid-season to make Zeke Naji gain 20 pounds or Christian Coloco needs, you know, 30 pounds of muscle on him but if you did that then it's just not fair to the rest of the world. No. Um you know the mental toughness thing you would think that you can learn that through, you know, through some form over the course of the season. But the, the problem is, even with the depth, like, that was a game where you really wish Brandon Williams was healthy with his high basketball IQ, ability to create his own shot, ability to facilitate and have a little bit more even keel, right? And that's where if Nico Mannion is making poor decisions, you can pull, if you could pull him out or put a James Akinjo. Or in let
0: Nico play off the ball. Yeah, and, and like let someone that's else just, run the offense. It's just,
1: and it goes back to the what your concern was at the beginning of the season. It's not you know it wasn't you were, you were concerned about point guard depth with Z, uh, Nico getting hurt. I think this is a case. I didn't where anticipate
0: Nico being not great.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's and he's still a great player, but like you know the time's running out to apply the lessons, which is why I think this team just kind of is what it is. And with you know with with Nico Mannion, I feel like it's. I, I was thinking about the the movie Deadpool where it's at the beginning and he's like. uh... Bad Deadpool. Oh. Good Deadpool. <laughs> and I feel like that's N- Nico Mannix. He's kind of like doing this... He's like kind of playing around and going... And Deadpool wears red. There you go. Yeah. Somewhere Bill Walton just like took a hit and was like, this is the best analogy ever. <laughs> I kind of, this sounded like Wolf League.
0: <laughs> um, and somewhere Dave Patch just shuddered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just exhaled softly. He doesn't know why. He just... He was like, Ugh. But we know why.
1: But, uh, you know, it's just like... <laughs> and he does. the problem is Deadpool spoiler alert is immortal <laughs> Arizona basketball is not and neither is Nico Mannion right so like those kind of bad decisions that you know that end up impacting things you can't come back from it in the in in a game or at
0: the at the end of the season at March madness well Arizona's now 16 and 7 they are unranked we're going to talk about where they go from here right after this break so Brett on the the easy thing is Arizona goes to Cal and to Stanford. That We're going to get to that. I mean, like, where does this program go? Where does this team go from here? Because we've talked about all the all, – there's a lot of negative right now, whereas a week ago there was a lot of positive, right? Like, this is Arizona basketball, and if, the, if you're right, this is just who they are. They're a roller coaster. They're unpredictable, except for the fact that they're unpredictable, and we know that. We've seen them play well. We've seen them destroy Colorado, who is ranked. We saw them go on the road and be the first Pac-12 team to sweep a road series. No one had done that. We've seen them look really good at times. And when we see them, we're like, yep, that makes sense because they have really good players. It's a really good team. And yet we've seen them far too often now just look miserable. And say when they lost to Gonzaga, it's like, well, they just they played a close game against a really good team and they lost. When they lost to Baylor, uh, yeah, Baylor's a good team. <laughs> These are two of the best teams in college basketball. You could excuse Oregon State, the hangover from Oregon, and a road game. You could even excuse if you went to ASU. It, it's tough, to, But you're like, well, for the reasons we mentioned. But when you lose a game like you did to UCLA, for a team that's as mentally weak as we all feel like they are right now, say a week ago, we thought they were, hey, they, they figured out they're strong.
1: Eh, did we like, all think that?
0: We hoped. <laughs> we hoped. We hoped. didn't necessarily think but This team, Stone getting said after in his post-game press conference sorry that they've bounced back. Like They've had their downs and they've bounced back from them. But at some point, it's like, okay, you have so many of them where sure, the Pac-12 is still available to them. No one's running away with the conference. And Arizona's still fine in terms of net rating. I think they're now 10th in net rating. Yeah, and 15th in Ken Palm. So the numbers are still favorable to them there, but they're not winning. So do I, do I think they're a tournament team? Yes, I still think they're a tournament team. Barring some sort of epic collapse over their final stretch of games here, if they get to 20 wins, they're going to the tournament. Oh, yeah. Now, they're- are they going to be a 5-seed, 6-seed, 7-seed, 8-seed, 9-seed? I have no idea. It obviously depends on how many games they win here, and they still have a chance the Bay Area schools. Then you host the Oregon schools. You go again to the L.A. schools. So there's still some decent wins on the deal, especially Oregon. If they can somehow beat Oregon at home, which... Doesn't seem that crazy for this team because we know they have the talent to do that. Then maybe we look back on this loss to you and say, okay, yeah, it's another hiccup. You know, what's otherwise going to be a good season. But I'm wondering if there's any reason to believe that this team can find that consistency, can find that toughness, can find that leadership, that all these things that they're lacking that teams usually either have or they don't.
1: Yeah, good question and point. (laughs) And... Like I said, I think, you know, I think we even said it, like, if we don't sweep this past weekend, that t- that tells you that we know what this team is, and it's inconsistent, and yeah. I think I think that's the answer, and, you know, at this point, could I see them winning out? Yes. Could I see them, I could see them losing on the road at USC, then beating UCLA at UCLA by 35 after they, and beat, beat Oregon, you know? They're just, there's, there has been no evidence to prove
0: uh, the case of consistency, and the things that they need, there's no reason to think that because like, you don't just gain toughness, right? <laughs> like you don't just well, become—you can't become physically tough with that with that easily, you right? Can, you can get me- more mentally tough, and like I think Space M- MJ's secret juice or something like that, like that doesn't exist. I mean, it does; it's water. Well, I mean,
1: <laughs> clearly we need to hit three shots in a row. Well, after the second one, you're heating up, then the third one, you're on fire, then you don't miss for like a couple minutes until you give up a bucket. Well, unless you know
0: the all-time cheat code in NBA Jam. That would be great for Arizona if they could that. but, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like the, they have one really good big in Zeke Nagy to play down low. And we've established he's not, he's not physically ready to be that kind. He's not DeAndre Ayton as a freshman. right? So it's like this team I was thinking, they could use a Caleb Tarzuski,
1: Oh, who he'd make a huge difference. was
0: not the best player. And some would think he kind of underwhelmed given he was a five-star and he was never dominant. But he was a big, tough physical presence for them where he rebounded, he played hard, he cared. And I'm not saying this team doesn't care. That's, I'm going to go down that rabbit hole right now. Like, this team cares. I don't feel like they lack effort. I feel like they lack intelligence. Which, but that sometimes looks like a lack of effort. When you're just doing dumb things out there, it's like, oh, you're clearly just don't try. I think there was an inbounds play against UCLA where Zeke Nagy, they threw it back, and Zeke Nagy didn't realize it was to him. And it turned into a free throw attempt, I think, after a foul for UCLA. The air balls. Just lazy passing. Jamal Baker almost had a turnover. and ended up not being a turnover because it somehow made it back to him. But it's like the, the – la- like, I don't want to say lazy. It's like the carelessness that they play basketball with sometimes, especially when they're such a bandwagon team, a front-running team. When things are going well, they look like world beaters. And when they find a little bit of adversity, it's almost like they just wilt and fall apart. And, and then they look dumb. And when they look dumb, they look like they're not trying. But I think they care. I think they want to win. I'm just not sure this team knows how and 23 games into the season with a team that was filled with some, you got some veterans it's you're relying on three freshmen because Christian Koloko the fourth would just dominate everything and it wouldn't be fair so he has to sit just for the betterment of college basketball Be you're relying on three freshmen but the other guys Dylan Smith has played a lot of college basketball games Stone Gettings has played a lot of college basketball games Ira Lee he's a junior on this team Jamal Baker was with Kentucky Max Hazard's a grad transfer he's played in tournament games like these guys should know how to win how to play in these environments And again, it's not like McHale was a hostile environment to them. Well, the fans (laughs) were trying to get them to yeah. So just, I don't know. I want to believe this team has what it takes because talent-wise, I'm sure they do. But that mentality—you either have it or you don't—and they clearly don't. I can't remember who it was.
1: It might might have even been like an Arizona coach or player several years ago. I remember somebody saying that I think it might have even been Sean Miller about Derrick Williams, and it was like. It's Your job as a coach is much easier when your best player is also your best leader and toughest player. And that's, like, Zeke Naji. I think, is is the most mentally tough, but I don't think he has the physical size to just, you know, bully people. No. Nico Mannion, I don't think, has the, the – that inconsistency is mental toughness. That lack of discipline is mental toughness that you know lack of focus or lack of consistent effort on on the defensive end is mental toughness. Yeah. It, shot selection is mental toughness cuz basically right when I was watching that second half of the UCLA game it was basically like you know that, that's, they they look like a team that likes to win and they need more guys that hate to lose. If that you know rather than learning how to win like and there's you know if I'm playing uh, in most competitive things I'll take the guys that hate to lose 100 times out of 100. Because they're the ones that are have that focus and get the most out of themselves, and we 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 know that's one thing we know about this team. They do not play to their capacity.
0: I don't think they have no, one game. Certainly not consistently. No, and not so, for forty minutes.
1: I mean, and that's like, yeah. I mean, and I I don't want to keep bagging on Nico Mannion, but like, hey, you're I know you're a freshman, and it's not fair, but
0: you're the guy with the ball well, in his hands, man. It's it's fair to point to him, especially after the game against UCLA. He was miserable, but also. If you fancy yourself a one-and-done point guard, and part of the reason we were excited about this team going into the year was like, yeah, we know they're relying on Freshman, but they have Nico Mannion. They have a true point guard, a dynamic point guard. who's going to come in ready to play and run this team and run this offense. And I, ex- I understand bad shooting nights. But when you're taking good shots, and you pointed out many times how he's not always taking good shots, and against UCLA, I guess, like, they, they weren't. He wasn't taking good shots. He missed some good shots, some good looks. But he wasn't getting the team going. And I guess a popular thing to do after a game like that is to point to Sean Miller. Actually, after every loss, people like to point to Sean I Miller. Mean, to be fair, he is the coach, and he is the one that is accountable. Yeah. And I don't blame him for the team missing three-fourths of their shot attempts. But I would blame him for either not designing an offense that gets them better looks, not recruiting players who can make those looks, right? Like, I, I'm not on the fire Sean Miller train, especially even after that game. It's, it's a game. It's one game there's a lot of season left to be played. But certainly for people who are his detractors, and I don't know if he's on any kind of hot seat, even with all the stuff that's gone around the program, there's been no indication that he's coaching for his job. But the case is being made. Maybe this is where I'll take this now because it's something that kind of I was thinking about earlier is that when was the last time you felt incredibly optimistic about Arizona basketball where you're watching a team and said, that's a team that can make a run to the Final Four?
1: During the non-conference schedule against a bunch of Terrible teams. (laughs) Um, But even then, I still had questions and concerns about the consistency and toughness, and it's on the record on this podcast,
0: right? Arizona went through stretches with the two T.J. McConnell years. Well, the year they had Derek Williams, the second year, because his submarine made it to lead eight. Then you had uh, Mark Lyons year, which I liked that team. That team was tough. (laughs) Mark Lyons on on this team would make a world of difference. Then you had the two McConnell years, and like a down year with what the Ryan Anderson season, I think. And then you had the next year where they were surprisingly good. You had Trier, you had Larry Markin, and you had Alkins, you had Kobe Simmons who disappeared for the second half once Trier got back. But that team, like, oh, this team's good. It's got pretty much everything you need. Since that season, even the year with DeAndre Ayton, where the talent was seemingly there, that team never got it together. Like, you thought, yeah, they're talented enough to make a run. Some idiot like myself had them making the Final Four in their tournament bracket that season because why not? And, of course, they got bounced in the first one. They got punched by Buffalo. You know? The year before, it was uh, Xavier. Yep. So I'm just thinking, like, I remember being so optimistic about Sean Miller back in the day. Like, yeah, this guy's got it. He has tough teams. Like, you never doubted his team's toughness. And now we're questioning if his team has any. Well, I th- remember I think nastiness is required? Well, and that's a, the Now funny, it's not. Now it's optional at best.
1: I think there's a fair question to say, is a coach like Sean Miller and, like, Side note: I'm a general believer in the philosophy of the 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 lesser talented players when they're players, they get the most out of minimal talent, make the best coaches because they're those hate to lose competitive types. Yeah. And I think Sean Miller kind of was that when he was when he was a uh, player at Pitt. Um, you know, I, there's there's part of me that thinks that he would function better. He's a great recruiter, and everybody wants you know stars matter, and they do. But would he work better in a more like Villanova model of like three and four star guys rather than five stars that are tough and stick around for three or four years rather than I'm going to claim the three best guys on the West Coast and pull somebody from the East Coast, have them for a year, try to get them to be corralled, uh, and then struggle to do so?
0: It it all depends on the – you need the right players, right? And that's what we thought Shemmo was getting back to with this recruiting class. He was getting the right guys. He got winners. Got players who bought. were going to buy in and play hard, even if they're one and done. Well, nobody because, knew Zeke Nagy was going to be one and done. Right. I mean, technically, we still don't know. but Because to me, part of the reason Pete Miller probably still has his job and has so much support is because of the talent he's bringing to Tucson. Yeah, if he's really. only bringing if his recruiting class has been in the 20s, do you think Arizona's keeping him? And it's easy to say, yeah, he coaches better with those guys. And of course, when you have three star guys who play their asses off and, like you said, hate to lose more than they like to win. Then you can get a lot out of them, but Sean Miller's had five stars who were like that. Yeah. No one ever doubted Aaron Gordon's desire to win. Stanley Johnson played as hard as anybody. <laughs> you know, Nick Johnson played really hard. But how how many in Rondé the last, played hard? How I, many in the last five years though? Like, I don't want
1: to make go being a Sean Miller apologist, but like, how many of those seasons change in terms of having the right players? If Brandon Williams is healthy this year oh, or sure. if um, I'm, oh God, I'm blanking on his, the guy Ray his, Yeah. Ray Smith. I think he was actually going to be a really, oh, he was a lottery pick probably with his a, but side. a lottery pick that was like kind of like a Grant Hill, like can do a little bit of everything, sure. defend, pass, shoot,
0: you know, an all right, like a, a Swiss army knife. But type these player. are, these are five star. I think Brandon Williams might've been a four star. By he the was time a four star, but Zeke Nagy was a four star. So, but, so it's easy to say, yeah, he does better with three stars. When you have three stars, your expectations are lower. <laughs> Except for Christian Coloco, who should have been six. Yeah. Yeah. And But but if you divide him by two, then you're, he's two three stars.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge is, and I think Sean Miller hasn't figured out a couple of things. I don't think he has quite figured out how to be like Calipari and you get the most out of the guys you have for one, maybe two seasons compared to like the guys you can kind of scream at and mold in your image. because. Those one-and-done guys, you can't really do that. No. And I think he's learning how to do that. In terms of, like, you, you said something earlier about, you know, I don't hold Sean Miller accountable for 25% shooting. I can uh, – some percentage of that is on him in terms of shot selection. I've harped on it a few times, and it's another thing I still I, – I don't like their motion offense. And I, I don't know if you saw, there was an article in The, the Athletic, the Athletic, the Athletic yeah. and it was like, yeah, they, they're they trying to. They're very predictable on offense. They're always trying to ISO, and then we double-team Zeke Nagy, and he can't handle a double-team. But well,
0: like That predictable said. offense scored 85 against USC without making a field goal. Well, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> talent coming that, through. That, but that uh, team scored 75 against Colorado, yeah, dropped ma- 93 on Utah. How many free throws did they shoot in those games? But, but that's part of the offense, right? Like if you're getting good looks and you're getting fouled and you're making your free throws, that's your offense, Well, too. but it,
1: it's, it goes back to what I've always said, and this was not the case against UCLA, and this comes back to Nico and being mentally tough and getting shot selection. Mm-hmm. We're not, when, when we're not scoring, it's because we're not attacking. And when we're not attacking, we're shooting fadeaways, we're not trying to initiate contact, we're trying to hit
0: contested fadeaways. Well, Miller and, even said a thing, too, though, early against UCLA. He's like, they were, our guys were going there, driving, and looking for fouls. Yeah. Like, which you can't play. You have to, you have to expect them not to make the call, but still be aggressive.
1: Yeah. My <laughs> high school coach, I remember uh, one of my first early practices, we were doing like kind of scrimmagey things, and he's like, somebody's like, oh, that's a foul, man. They try to stop the play mid practice. And my coach is like, I'll, I'll clean up. I won't use the full language, but I didn't hear a whistle. You're gonna stop in the middle of the game, <laughs> and, but that's the and thing. like and that's the problem. It's and the, the offense that they run and the way their mentality is when they approach. I just see West Coast AAU ball where it's just like run through the motions and take jump shots. Well, it's
0: actually, kind of like the final shot against ASU, where Josh Green was looking for a foul, had no interest in trying to get that ball to the basket. No, he should have been trying to dunk that ball but over those. You guys. need to drive to the basket. You don't want to be reckless
1: about it, but you need to be no. doing it with purpose. But here's the thing: like Josh Green is. In terms of sheer athleticism, I tell us to the guys. I some guys I play with in a, in a rec league that are like some of them are freak athletes, and it's like they're settling for twelve foot jumpers. If you're Josh Green settling for a fadeaway twelve foot jumper, trying to look for a foul there, you just did the de- defense a favor because you are the better athlete, and you just negated that athleticism by taking that questionable shot when you should be trying to go past them and go over them at the rim. All right. So. A little worked up on the shot selection thing. Yeah,
0: and I'm worked up over them losing a game to a clearly inferior opponent. Arizona now goes back on the road at Cal at Stanford. They're in the middle of the conference. Both those schools. Uh, Stanford is 16 and 7 overall, 5 and 5 in the conference. Cal is actually 10 and 13 overall, 4 and 6. How stupid is the
1: Pac-12 standings right now? By the way, <laughs> It's so <laughs> mediocre. It's yeah, I, I could go on a side trip and
0: say that this is Larry Scott's <laughs> leadership gradually showing up in actual talent oh, on the field. Cal is Thursday, Stanford is Saturday. Stanford will be interesting because Oscar de Silva, their best player, is a little bit hurt. He got fell down on and his head got smushed. So whether or not he'll be able to play against Arizona on Saturday, that's a big thing because he's their best player without him. Stanford is significantly less good and less of a threat. Of course, anyone can be a threat to Arizona the way we've seen them play. Cal is not a great team, but we go back to this, these are on the road. <laughs> and Arizona, which I guess outside of Washington, has struggled on the road. Maybe they solved that problem. Then again, maybe they haven't. It's Arizona basketball. Who the hell knows what they do? They will, they will learn the lesson for approximately three-quarters of a game or maybe most of a weekend. Right. You'd think they're going to come out ready for Cal especially, but come out ready for this year. So if, if if this season means anything to them, and, and I'm not saying the freshman—I don't think it's the freshmen not playing hard. You know, I don't think they're lazy necessarily. But if this season means anything to these guys, you'd think the focus would be there—that they're putting in the work this week in practice and they're going to be ready to play. Now it's easy for people to say a team wasn't ready to play when they lose. It's like oh, that they weren't ready to play. It's easy to point to that, but it's hard to imagine that if this team needs any more lessons, and that's the excuse that people have for oh, they need to learn that lesson. They need to learn that lesson. Well, you've now had seven loss lessons and a couple where you won, but you probably should have learned a lesson in that game too. I the lessons need to be done with. Just go play good basketball. These are not great opponents, yep. but uh, but they are road games, so you don't really expect a team to sweep on the road in the Pac-12 this year. You don't expect anyone to do that, but you certainly need to split. And if you really want to inspire any kind of confidence, you have to sweep this weekend. You have to. Yeah. You do. <laughs> and it'd be nice. And the thing is, I mean, here's, here's where I'm going to hedge that is, even if you do that, it doesn't mean anything. Because we've seen them look good, and then it's like, oh, they look tough. The defense was there. They had great shots. So they can come back and <laughs> against Oregon State or whatever and just be miserable again. Do you think they've, they're after the UCLA game going, gosh, yeah, you know, I guess we have to bring focus to a home game, too. Yeah. So I better apply happen- that in the future. How many times do we talk about when they had those bad shoes? We go, we don't expect that to happen at McHale? It's a friendly environment. The freshmen should be comfortable. They played a lot of games there. The crowds behind them. And then it happened. So that was it's, a new thing. But that's yeah, and that that game was more
1: offense and shot selection than defense in my mind. Yeah, but, but that's but still it, which is inexplo- that should not happen especially at home so it's inexplicable so inexplo- at home.
0: Maybe <laughs> And I I said last week it was the first time Arizona had done, had that success on the road. Now they're coming home. They have a chance to really build on this. Now I'm going to say maybe it's good they're going on the road where you have to focus if you're going to win. You have to come together as a team. You know, if Dylan Smith misses a shot, you can't be hanging your heads because you're all missing shots too. <laughs> <laughs> by, the, by the way, Dylan
1: Smith's airball three, where he left his hand up there like he was going to make it, then airballed, and he kind of did a. I'm
0: pretty sure I saw him shoot one in Ira Lee just after he missed. Was just had oh to look at his face like, jeez, man, again. But it's like, well, you're not doing anything, here either, Ira. Like, and bad shooting's contagious. When people get selfish, it's contagious. Well, you're going to shoot that. I'm going to shoot mine. I, I get know. that. But that was a collective team effort in losing to UCLA. And yeah. it's going to take a collective team effort to go on the road and beat Cal, who, again, is not a good basketball team, but they're at home and they see a vulnerable Arizona Wildcats team who's not ranked right now, but it's still Arizona. And then Stanford, well, I'm going to assume DeSilva comes back for that game because that's usually how it works for Arizona. The best players come Always back for them. That's a big chance for them, too, because it's still Arizona. So the Wildcats, we know the talent is there, but it's like that that little thing that's been missing all season long where some of the Sean Miller teams have had it, some of them had it in spades. Like the Derrick Williams team that went to the elite, that team had that. You had Momo Jones, you had Kevin Parham, you had Derrick Williams, which was dominant. The McConnell-Nick Johnson team, Aaron Gordon, Ronda Hollis Jefferson, those teams had that, that swagger, that belief that every time they took the floor, you knew they were going to play hard and they had a chance. Even when they lost games, those teams, they were close games where just everything went against them. This team doesn't have that, and opponents know it. You know, it's the lack of, it's the lack of a leader and it's the
1: lack of – Mental toughness at the point guard position. Like, if the problem is, I think when the going gets tough, Nico thinks he needs to try to become Alonzo Trier. But guess what? Alonzo Trier was a damn good shooter.
0: Yeah, and I the think pro- we underrated and, Trier. he, had his, well, he Trier, had his faults, but he was a really good offensive player. Trier has player. some major flaws. Yeah,
1: but and like, I'm not telling Nico to 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 try to be um, T.J. McConnell, but I'd like him to be a little more Mark Lyons somewhere in between. The guy that kind of dictates the flow of the game is still aggressive. Looks to score, but you know, takes. He says, "All right, get on my back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive this ball past you, or I'm gonna get my guy a good shot." Yeah. And that's that's to me, that's the the key for the rest of the season on offense. I feel like the defense continues to improve a little bit, um, though. Did you see they threw a three-two zone in there the UCLA game? That yeah, not terrific. Took, not to great effect, <laughs> um, but. <sighs> Yeah, I don't think the defense was the problem in that game, or even really in a large chunk of the USC game. But
0: No, it's easy to point to the offense, and this team, we never expected them to be top 10 defense. We talked about, hey, if they could get to top 20 or so with their offense, they could be special. The problem is when their offense shoots 25%, unless their defense is better than any defense in history, they're probably going to lose. So. I, it, 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 there should be no such thing as a must-sweep road trip in the Pac-12 because it's hard to win on the road. Yeah. And even if Arizona sweeps this road trip, it doesn't mean anything because they've struggled to handle their own success. They've struggled to build any consistency since non-conference. Since they start off 9-0, and it's been a struggle. Two steps forward, one step back, which we saw again last week. Because if they had beaten UCLA, now you have one four in a row. You're going on this Bay Area trip against teams that aren't very good. You can have a six-game winning streak and be in control of the Pac-12. So, Like, for you approaching this weekend, approaching Cal-Stanford, is the mindset sweep or bust? I think the mindset has to be beat the team you're
1: playing next. Because I think if this team tries to get that, especially with their proven immaturity, if you try to say it's sweep or bust, it's going to be a problem. And I think for a team that lacks focus, you need to be like, no, you, you know... You beat the team that's in front of you right now, and you finish it consistently. You know, finish it through the,
0: the final sure. buzzer. No, that's how they should approach it. Well, how I do mean, you I see it? Like, because well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want them focusing on the team that's in front. Of them. Like, no one is a team that they should beat. I mean, they should feel that way. We I, can feel differently. I would obviously, I would like to see
1: a sweep. <laughs> but um, do you need to see a sweep. I don't know if I need to. I think it depends on how they look when they're doing it. If that makes sense. If the defense is good and they're taking, if they're actually taking good shots and they're attacking and it's like, wow, great penetration and guys are just like missing barely wide open threes. Cal
0: makes 16 three pointers in the game. Yeah. I mean, if if there's, if,
1: and if you're defending them and they're pulling a Sam Decker and hitting fadeaway threes (laughs) with (laughs) a hand in your eye. No, I just shuddered. Or a hand in your face, and you know it's like if you can—if they're doing that, that's that's one thing. And like I can, I can get past. So that. Alan Crabb ain't walking through
0: that door, right? I <laughs> hope
1: not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just—I think—and I—it's—I think Sean Miller, based on the press conference, is like he's past the point of excuses, and he called his team out. And some people are complaining about it, but it's like everything he said is true. Yeah, and it's just like it's for lack of a better term, you know. It's just general softness.
0: Would it show toughness if they go out on the road and win these games? Because we thought it showed toughness going and doing it against Washington, and then they they went soft again here's, well, at home. Here's the thing about these young guys that I don't think they've...
1: The, lef, the the big lesson they haven't learned is that toughness is consistency. Toughness is not like you flex for... waiting if that on the bumper sticker. Well, I mean, it's kind of true, man. Because <laughs> like, that's, that's what mental toughness is. It's discipline and consistency, and they have not had that all season. I don't know, you know, maybe Zeke Nagy has it, it, but who else on this team has that kind of consistent focus? Um, And with, that's where, you know, it's hard to say one weekend sweep or not is a maker, you know, maker bust kind of thing. Because even if they do that, they don't, they need to not have the lesson of, oh, well now I showed toughness and I'm going to take the foot off the gas. It's like, no, that's, it's a mindset. It's not a, it's not a, It's not a – it needs to be unconscious. It needs to not be a conscious effort, if that makes sense.
0: Well, it shouldn't be unconscious because that would be – they'd struggle if they're unconscious. You know what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's what's sad. And I remember I remember back in the day when Mike D'Antoni was the coach of the Suns. He always told – he's like, fans don't appreciate the journey. We're at the destination, right? If you don't win an NBA title, then it's a lost season. Even if you won 60-something games, had a great time. This team, to me, it's only about the tournament. Because it's only when their next loss is their last loss. We'll be like, okay, it settles and this is who they were. Because until that happens, yeah, we've seen them be good. They could go on a run. Could Is it reasonable to think they could win four straight games in the NCAA tournament right now? Yes, it is. They haven't won four straight games like since non-conference season. But until until they can't learn any more lessons... You can make the kids that there's always a lesson they can still learn. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's UCLA. And if they sweep this week and then split at home against the Oregon schools, maybe it's that one, right? Like, until there's no more lessons to be learned, no more time to learn lessons, they'll have that crutch, that to fall back on, that safety net. And they shouldn't need it. And you're right. It's, it's not a must-win road trip or a must-sweep road trip because they could sweep this road trip and still fall flat on their faces at home against the Oregon schools. Or they could split this road trip and then sweep the Oregon schools. Like, we don't know. They're capable of both. Yep. They're capable of getting swept this week and then sweeping next week. So that's why it's like I'd, you should pay attention to these games. These games should matter. But in terms of how this team will be remembered, how we're going to judge them ultimately, and that's a, the case for a lot of teams for Arizona, I like guess what you do in March. But this team especially is that team. Because you could say, hey, maybe when it's this is your last chance, that focus is just hyper. It's just right there, and they play as hard as they can, as focused and as smart as they can. Nico, this big game player, steps up and is the five-star point guard everyone thought he was going to be. But until that chance happens, we have no reason to think it will.
1: Well, and the the problem is you can't develop that mindset and, like, flip it on like a light switch in March. It's, no, we don't think you can. It's It's all, you know... Ask uh, ask the DeAndre Ayton Wildcats how uh, that Buffalo game turned out when they <laughs> thought they could you know flip the light switch on. I had an old coach. that would be like, you got to be able to do that, but like the reality is you can't. It's a no. that Neither. toughness is a mindset and it's a consistency, and they need to you know they've got a few weeks to figure that out. And if they don't, then you know maybe they get hot and go on a run, and maybe they get bounced in the first round. I don't know. They're to, in in my mind they're both equally plausible at this point, which is crazy. Yeah. Because ta- talent-wise, they should be a top 10 team. But they're just not. Unless you count net rating, in which case <laughs> they are right at 10. You know who doesn't count net rating clearly? The selection committee based on their initial 16 <laughs> top teams. <for> the right. <laughs> Where did they have Arizona? Was they- they, I, I don't even know. If,
0: I think they only showed the top 16. Oh, they? they were okay. not in there. Gotcha. Well, Brett, we're going to take one more break here. When we come back, we're going to talk something even better than Arizona basketball, which is Arizona football. Yeah. So, Brett, Arizona, the, the second signing day, came and went. Arizona had a few more players, which was good because, hey, people still want to, are willing, maybe not want to, maybe they're willing to play football in Tucson. And I've, the, the easy thing to do is look at their class, which was ranked 12th in the Pac-12. I forget where they're at nationally. I think in the 60s. Yeah. Not, and it, not, not great. And to say not great, number 62 nationally, according to uh, 24-7 Sports. Yet, when I look at the class, it's it's clear what uh, clear what Arizona was doing. Number one, taking anyone who would come. But number two, it may be more like a 1B, they're going for size. On the offensive line, defensively, some of the ends they got. Uh, Paris Shand, he's a big guy. Um, Chantrell Key, he's 6'7", 250. Shand is 6'5", 240. Former basketball players. Raw to football, but clear physical tools. And... When Kevin someone took over, like the best coaches adapt to the talent they have. But Rich Rod was in Tucson for a long time. He had a system it was smaller, quicker guys. Someone's system is not like that. It is more NFL size, needs girth. And we all knew that. Arizona was small on the lines. They were small at linebacker. They were just a small football team when someone took over. Being big does not make you a good football player. But you look at what Arizona did recruiting-wise, and the stars aren't there. The rankings aren't there. But you could see reason to be like, you know what? Maybe these guys could turn into something. And if they do, they're going to be some pretty good football players. Yeah,
1: I think, I mean, obviously I think you're right that they are. And it's been a couple years in the making with the last couple classes on in terms of getting bigger size. And I think I said it on this podcast a while back. I got to the Wildcat Walk and was shocked that I was taller than all but like two guys on the team. Um, and just how tiny they were when you're up close. <laughs> Um and I I'll, I'll take a I'm sure it'll be accused of being a homerish take on the recruiting class but I you know I'm if I I'm, I am feel like I've been pretty consistent on it that I would rather have a class of 20 25 high 3 star guys that pan out to build depth um you know I I'm not one of those guys that says stars doesn't matter cuz stars do matter that that you know the statistics prove that out to be the case that being the case you know I, I, I was doing some fun things of looking back at like uh, the highest rated sh- uh, he show prepped. I did tens of seconds of show prepping, <laughs> maybe even dozens. Ooh, <laughs> dozens show of seconds. So uh, like 247, 2014 was nationally ranked number thirty one. I'm just going to go down this list of our our high. And this was a thirty first ranked
0: class in college football. Yes. Okay.
1: Highest rate, Highest rated was Cam Denson. Was okay. Was fine. Never yeah. really.
0: Yeah, not a star. By never any was really by a star.
1: Marquis Ware, second highest. Yeah, Was no. injured, never did anything. Jamar Drake Cobb, never really did anything. Nick Wilson, solid player, couldn't stay Injury healthy. Injury issues. Jordan Poland got kicked off the team. Marcus Griffin, never really did anything. Antonio Summers, never Who? really did anything. Jonathan Hayden, never really did anything.
0: Running back, right? Yeah.
1: Um, I believe Joe Hayden's brother or cousin. Um, I mean, they should have got Joe Hayden instead. He's good. Bold strategy. <laughs> we also. Wow, gosh, what was the corner that said um, USC or UCLA? That was we got the. We we were really good at getting the worst brother in recruiting for football for a little <laughs> while. Um,
0: Oh, well, there was McKnight, the running back from yeah, um, uh, uh, USC, and there's, who his like, brother ended up at Arizona, who was decent, actually, if no, I remember there, right. There's a, there's a corner, I think, that's still at
1: UCLA that was like a five-star guy that we took the brother that didn't do anything.
0: So his last name where? Because they stay yeah. at UCLA for a long time. <laughs> a long time. I see what you did there. But I, I see your point. That, and what, you're try, what you're saying, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that stars don't always mean anything in football. And I agree with you. And I think football is the one sport, at least college-wise, where coaching makes a huge difference because your scheme. Like, there's identifying talent. There's so many people who play football, go across the country where there's, oh, even with today's scouting and with what people do and what they know, there are diamonds in the rough all the time. Yeah. And if you're a good enough scheme or a good enough coach, you can coach guys up, maybe that three-star guy, you coach them to a four-star level. And then offensively or defensively, whatever system you put them in is creative enough to highlight their skills, and now you have your advantage. That's why Rich Rod's teams at West Virginia were so good with the smaller players. They ran an offense that teams weren't used to, they couldn't match up with. I don't know if someone in this staff um, is that good to scheme, but certainly when you look at the guys they got, even their best guys, like Frank Brown, that guy looks like he can play, right? Jalen John, yeah. the running back, their running back room is loaded still. Yeah, Reagan Terry was a good get. Deion Wilson. Harry Crump, Mejean Wright, the receiver. They got this, They got size, and these are guys where it doesn't take a lot of imagination to imagine these players becoming useful, becoming contributors, becoming starters for this team. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be stars, no. but they're going to be the guys you build around. But it's not hard to see Derek Morning, who people like, being a good linebacker for them, or Edric Whitley, who they were able to flip at signing day, being you know, a productive quarterback, Leif, Leif Magnuson, the Canadian lineman. No. Like, they have those guys where it's like, yeah, I – They have the size. Give them a year, give them two years to get a little bit bigger, get that coaching with whoever's coaching them, I guess we'll see. (laughs) But... You could see a world where they become productive college football players at the Pac twelve level, whereas it's not like when you had Richrod getting his five you know, his smaller defensive linemen, his smaller offensive linemen to fit the system. These guys are the types who could probably fit any system and certainly fit a pro style system, which if you really want to win, you need guys you want to convince guys you can get the NFL and you convince guys that they can get the NFL when they're NFL type of players.
1: Well to be competitive in college football, not necessarily to be, you know, elite. There's a difference there's a difference between being a competitive team that wins, you know, seven, eight, maybe nine games if things go the right, right way. You know, to be to play in that space, which is, you know, we got to do that before we're uh, competing for the Rose you Bowl. You've got to crawl before you can walk
0: and yeah, walk before I mean, you can run. If you're,
1: and the the difference is almost any team in a Power 5 school can put some starters out there that have enough talent to, to compete, right? The challenge is depth. And we, when you're four and eight, that tells me you didn't have the depth. And the way yeah, we watched them,
0: they didn't have the depth.
1: Yeah, and and the you know
0: I would say that last year's recruiting class performed fairly well. Last year's recruiting class, I, I mean, think, is going to be big. Well, they're going to have to be big, but there's some talent there that didn't have a chance to be huge, but they're going to have significant roles next yeah. season. Yeah, and Jordan Morgan might end up being the best player in that class, and he's one of the bottom like, three Yeah, Curry or four there. Yeah, Bobby with Grant Canell, the quarterback
1: next season yeah. was part of that class. But like. You have the way I see this class and the way it closed out. I I feel like they were being smart about who has either a very high floor with a little bit of upside, or who are some of those guys. They're I I would I would challenge the notion of they just took anybody. I know that was, it was a little it was a little facetious, like yeah. yeah, But like you know, <laughs> like Chantrelle Key or you know Morning. Like the reason he was under recruited is because there's Academics, grade right? issues, right? Yeah, and Key just is like some. They list them at six seven. Supposedly he's like six eight and like just enormous. And no one which played football doesn't, play. doesn't always
0: translate. But no. no, they got these maybe low floor, high ceiling type of players. Which yeah. if you're Arizona and you're Arizona trying to get players now, coming off a of four and eight year when your head coach is clearly on the hot seat, I don't mind that. because yeah. you're not going to get four stars and five stars to come. You just you just can't. Well, right now you need the. You need
1: to raise the floor of the program so you can attract more high stars. And what you did with the... So that's what I'm saying. You have some guys that are high floor. Like Frank Brown is a high floor player. Yeah, he's
0: going to be a contributor.
1: Jalen John, I think, is actually going to be a really nice player. He might not be Kadim Carey or J.J. Taylor, but I think he will be a productive running back. you never have too many running backs. Yeah. Um and you know some of these but some of those other guys are more like it's especially in the linemen of the hardest you know stars matter you know where this matters the least is on those the trenches the tre- yeah the it, cuz it's this the success rate of star ratings on the lines is so much lower than it is at like the skill positions and that's where they were like all right i'm going to i'm going to buy you know i'm going to put this money in some l- low-risk mutual fund on these high three-star guys with high floors, and then I'm going to buy four lottery tickets on the lines and hope that it pans out. Yeah,
0: like if Josh, Josh Baker, who's, listed at 6'3", 280, Leif Magnuson, six four two seventy. No one's saying that that's your starting offensive line two years from now. But Leif Magnuson is a five-star name for an offensive line. Oh, absolutely. He, he, he's huge. Yeah, <laughs> And maybe these guys develop into starters and really good offensive linemen. Maybe they're just depth and maybe they don't pan out and they're more like third or fourth string guys that you're like, well, I hope they don't have to play. But you could see a world where they're better than that. And with the right coaching, you have to believe offensive linemen could be if they get their technique down, they're plenty big enough to do the job. And they and they focused a lot in this in this second signing
1: day, right, on the on the defense and a lot on the lines, right? A lot of those like Chantrell Key or uh, the, the, their Canadian guy was Paris, Paris Shand. Shand. Yeah. You know, another guy that hasn't been playing football very long but ha- is big and has
0: ability. Which, sorry to cut you off there, oh, yeah. but the coaches they got defensively. We talked about they got these veteran coaches. And honestly, the recruiting, they're the, we're going to teach you how to play football. And these are the guys you, they targeted. If you believe in them. And there's no reason to, th- we, we know the coaches track record. We're like, yeah, that's actually not bad. These guys are teachers. Can they mold Paris Shannon to someone who's better than a three-star? Well, he's 6'5", 240. He's got the size to be dominant yeah. if he can get there. And he obviously has these guys. They have a lot of guys who are like that block of clay, to use a, to use a cliche, like that block of clay that they can mold. Yeah. And I guess the, the challenge is, and this is where Arizona football was and this coaching staff was, is that they may not have time to mold them. <laughs> right? No, but, that, but that's the thing. Like, no. if they're only there for this season, then they brought all these guys into Arizona and they won't have a chance to finish the job. So you, you worry about that. You risk that. But at the same time, if you're an Arizona fan, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you are. Because otherwise, there's so many other good podcasts out there. Listen to one of those. <laughs> or keep listening. Maybe you had a good time. But, <laughs> but if you're an Arizona fan, these guys are now part of the program. So whichever coaches they are, if it's the coaches they have now or coaches that may come after, like, hey, maybe Arizona has a good season, surprises people and these coaches stay. And like, hey, we, we starting to see a program be built again. But if nothing else, it never hurts to have more talent. Never hurts to have more options. We talk about basketball how they have so many players who could help you. Football is different. There's a lot more players on the roster. But if Paris Shan could be a good defensive end, if Chantrell Key could be a good defensive lineman, Jamar Triplett you know, could be a good linebacker for them. Then this team or, or starts Whitley, to build something. Yeah. You know, if
1: two or three of those guys,
0: you know, hit
1: and you're able to develop them, where in three years they're like equivalent to a four-star recruit. You know, and you have and most of those guys, you know, it's in, uh I think is smart about how they went about it. Most of those guys are at positions where we have some decent talent. Like we've actually said the defensive line is not the worst, right? The we young, don't
0: think so, even though uh, we watched them play last season well, and they were
1: but they had, kind of but, the worst. But they had limited depth, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. But like we have some solid young corners. So Whitley doesn't have to come in and start right away. And he has like track speed. Maybe he's just a return guy for the first year. Sure. Right. And he can kind of gradually get worked in. The guys, those those high floor three star guys, are at the positions where I think they can help you win today, and the other ones are more like, let's see if we can develop these guys into kind of four star talents, which is really kind of the Utah model, except for we just we don't have the you know world's greatest uh, special teams
0: specialist, but it's like everything. If Kevin, someone had not been on, well, basically people he was going to get fired. At the ASU game, well, Dave Heekin screwed up sure. at this recruiting. But class. that's everything that's happened this off season. If Kevin someone, this staff were more secure, they get different coaches defensive, probably, and their recruiting is different, right? Like even the recruiting last season wasn't that bad. They got, grant they got a lot of the guys that were their recruits at A and M that decided to follow them to Tucson. But it, it's hard, and that's where Kevin Sumlin and this staff they're 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 behind the eight ball on this one. Because he, you have to think he is coaching for his job, and it's like you can't get the best talent until you win, but you can't win until you get the best talent. And because he underachieved in his first two years, because year one he should have been a bowl team. Last season was the lost what the last six games. Like you can't do that, yeah. You know, so was it six games or seven games? For la- they la- were four and one, right? And finished four. So seven game yeah. losing streak. So like you do those types of things, it's gonna be hard to be able to believe in you. And if you're a player saying, I'm going to go play for that team, like Frank Brown Grant, Frank Brown could have gone to other schools. He chose Arizona. Jalen John could have gone to other schools. Like these guys, they had other options in Arizona. They chose Arizona still, and maybe the coaching staff found all these gems. Like I'm looking at them like, yeah, I kind of like these guys as prospects. I do. Well, but I'd rather have four and five stars. Well, but sure. that's, not, that's also not realistic for Arizona where they are right now.
1: And that's where, not again, not to sound like a Homer or a Kevin Sumlin apologist, but Hiki did him no favors when they Homer. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. You're right. That's but too. Like, I tech. mean, and like the thing is, if nothing else, and maybe it doesn't work out, and maybe someone's fired in nine months, like halfway through the season. And I know people mocked it when he's like, "Trust the process." But like, I can actually see materializing what their plan is in terms of the types of players they're going out and trying to get at what positions, what they're trying to do, grad transfers at, and you know what, it makes sense. And they're basically playing to like survive this year you know maybe we win seven sneak it somehow get lucky and win eight and then suddenly you can pull in 234 or you have three, Grant four is a right? junior
0: quarterback who's established With you have Ubi a Curry. running backs. yeah uh
1: Jalen Johnson looked great and yeah, limited he's a reps big receiver, receiver. you know they got young receivers if you
0: and if you get some of these linemen to develop and say so now you have veteran linemen guys who've been in the system we don't have to play this year because i think i saw this there was a stat i should have saved it a bookmark it, it was like arizona returning production they're one of the highest in college football, yeah. which you could argue is a bad thing. Cause they only win four games, but in certain positions, it's nice to have that experience. And offensive line is one of those. So if they can stay healthy and let this year's freshmen, even last year's, develop to where when it's time to use them when they're needed, they're ready to go. Then that's how you build a program. That's how you build that consistency. But you have to win. Well, plus the change know? of the change of going from a three three
1: five to a three four. Means one less underachieving safety on the field at <laughs> any given moment, so therefore that already got but,
0: better. And, and that's right, that's it right there. And all this t- stuff about build, you know, trusting the process and building a certain type of team, adding certain types of players. It doesn't matter if the coaching staff gets fired, which obviously someone in a the staff—they're the guys right now. And there's probably some people who expect someone to get fired. There's some people who want him to get fired. Me, I'm just like, hey, I just want them to win. <laughs> and if if they don't win next season, then someone's probably going to get fired probably before the season even ends. But if they do get off to a good start, maybe you see, one, the confidence. And if they get off to a good start the right way with Ganell looking like a top half of the Pac-12 quarterback, with the running backs being great, the offensive lines opening up holes, and the receivers, especially the guys who are sophomores, Booby Curry, Jalen Johnson, they're looking like go-to type of receivers, and the defense just takes a half a step forward. This is a team that could win six games probably. I think six should be the floor
1: for them measuring themselves as a, as a successful It is a season. tougher
0: schedule. But even then, to say six, they won four last season. But the difference between four and six isn't that great.
1: The difference between four to seven wins is not as no. much as people think. Once you get up to eight, it starts to get a, a little bit more. And then nine is where it's like it really differentiates, yeah. right? And like some of that, you can scheme your way. You know, Marcel Yates struggled to scheme his way out of, a you know, third and 15. Let's put the guys back 15 yards. the offense has you right where you where they want you. I mean, third and long. <laughs> you know, and so I like I said, <laughs> I the the one thing I can say and you know, maybe it doesn't work out, but I feel like I can see I can see the direction they're trying to go. And I can't say it's a poor plan. The now, question is, will they get there? Will yeah. they be
0: around will they be on the ride long enough to see the end?
1: There's still there, you know, the road to hell is paved in good intentions and mm-hmm. like it you know, things are never gonna go according to plan. Um, and but you know, they still got some spots where they can fill with transfers and grad transfers. Uh you know, uh, Colin Schooler's brother is going to come and Brendan Schooler. Yeah, maybe play. he might end up playing safety. Started as a safety, he was pretty good at that too. And we got a lot of young receivers, and mm-hmm. safeties have struggled. And there's even been, I think Aaron Rumpel's Blackwell up. they got Aaron Blackwell. Like I like his potential. You know what his 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 rating was on two four seven? I think I saw two stars. It was like his like rating was like point seven two nine, which is like. You know, basically, like, you should go play it. You don't belong at a power five score. And that guy is going to come in and actually be a difference maker
0: on this team. Which you can look at a couple different ways. (laughs) Like, hey, he's an overachiever. Or, oh, this is the best Arizona can do. I think it's the former. He's a good player.
1: And, like, when his role is going to be to be a nose tackle and eat up blockers and just be a massive strong guy in the middle of... And you put him in and still he put, you know, Trayvon Mason as, like, a 3-4 defensive end. That's an interesting T.J. Johnson
0: roll a bigger guy. Yeah, be, you know, right? you
1: can start getting, once you have a little bit more, again, once you have depth there and you can rotate guys, you can adjust to what the, the
0: situation calls for and things like that. You know what's funny is the conversation on Arizona football was way more optimistic than the conversation we had about Arizona basketball. Well, that's because we haven't had a chance to lose a game in several months. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <sighs> we did not lose a bowl game this year, Adam. Yay. <laughs> this is like the meme of the guy, like you can't lose a ball game if you don't make it to one. <laughs> well, anyway, football okay, so we'll we'll sum it up right here because we're gonna end the show here. Football, they did the best they could under the circumstances, got some intriguing talent. And just if hopefully the coaches, especially defensive side of the football, if they're as good teachers and tacticians as we're led to believe, defense should take a step forward. Maybe not a giant step. But a small step, or some sort of forward movement. Maybe they trip for forward, would you call it forward? Would you call that a false start potentially?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <sighs> and basketball, well, big road trip by the bay. Because well, even they're, it's just a road trip by the bay and we're hoping to see them they're rebound all, again. They're from, all they're all big games from here on out. Right. That's that's the moral of the story. Well, If there's any news in football, Arizona's looking for a running backs coach. We'll talk about that. But otherwise, we know we'll talk about this Bay Area road trip next week. Until then, bear down. Bear down.